Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Today we get to talk about language and poetry, which is very exciting. Joining me today, Anna Musman, a Lutheran homeschool mom and writer, and author of Why and How to Teach Your Children Classic Poems in the May issue of The Lutheran Witness and also available online. So we'll include a link to this article in the show notes for today's episode so you can read her article as well. Thanks so much for joining me today, Anna. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So we get to talk about poetry today. Is poetry one of your favorite things? I like literature. I like words (laughs) and things like that. So poetry is something that I've always liked, but I'm starting to like more and more as I get older. Mm, very good. So let's let's dig into this idea of poetry and children and classic poetry, maybe some places that we find poetry that we may not realize we're actually reading or or, or taking in poetry in our lives. So what are some misconceptions surrounding poetry these days? I think one misconception is that poetry is sappy or romantic (laughs) and that it's for girls, that it's boring, things like that. I think our our culture has sort of lost its way in terms of poetry and teaching poetry. So a lot of people are missing out on all these wonderful poems, wonderful verses and stirring lines, things that used to be considered very enjoyable, very, you know, it's for everyone, masculine, you know, things like that. I mean, it used there used to be an idea that, oh, you know, men can write poetry because they have those, you know, methodical minds and, you know, all that sort of thing. And, you know, and we, you know, there, there's a lot of great poetry for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when we read books that were written older than maybe just a few years ago, there's, there definitely is a lot more poetry and and an acceptance of poetry being something that's for everyone than maybe we find in literature today. Right, right. And maybe some of it is that a lot of the poems that are being written today, because people have sort of lost, there's sort of a gap. A lot of people haven't been exposed to all that, those wonderful riches of poetry from the past. A lot of the poetry being written today isn't super good. And so then if that's what people are seeing, they don't realize how good poetry can be. Not that nobody today can write good poetry, not that everything in the past is better. But when we miss out on growing up, hearing really wonderful poems, that that shapes our belief of what poetry is. What actually makes a poem talking about good and bad poetry and what that might look like we may we may think of poetry as a, as a very small subset or a very certain type of thing that we might that we might find in literature or that it's from a very long time ago but what what actually is the genre of poetry right and that's a good question because on the one hand there's a clear answer and on the other hand it's kind of fuzzy and both are true at once then <laughs> i've heard the definition that poetry is the perfect words to express an idea. So somebody who's taken the time to find just the right words to express something so that you, you, you get the sense of it, you understand what they mean, but also there's a feeling, there's a rhythm, 
the word choice is everything conveys the idea much more brilliantly. We, if we look at the longer tradition of poetry, which would include epics and all of this, you know, oral tradition, it's taking stories and ideas and thoughts and putting them in a rhythmic form that can stand the test of time, that can be passed down and shared and enjoyed. And in our Lutheran hymnody, can kind of, it certainly fits in there. It's almost like the modern version of that. You know, Lutheran hymnists have used poetry to teach and communicate. We sing a hymn and we're, we might be learning a biblical story or learning doctrine, but the way we sing it, because of the music as well, but also just the rhythm of the words and the way they're arranged, it can give us a feeling of great joy and excitement or a feeling of sadness and really help us get the whole picture. So you mentioned hymnody, and I, I'm realizing that hymnody is probably my most favorite version of poetry, reading through especially hymns that were written during, I don't know, like the Thirty Years' War. A lot of my favorite hymn writers come out of times of a lot of trial, and that, that tends to have them create very beautiful poetry about, you know, the, the blessings and provisions of Christ during all of these really hard times. So I know I, I love finding poetry in our hymnody. Where else might we find poetry in our in our daily lives that we may not realize is poetry? Well, there's certainly, I mean, songs often are poetry, not always. I'm sure that we hear songs. There are lines that stick in our heads. You know, we read children's books and there's rhythm. There's, there are rhymes. You know, we have, maybe we've heard lines from Shakespeare. We see quotes from Shakespeare and often that is poetry. There's a lot of poetry that is part of sort of the heritage of English. And so we're, we're kind of the, you know, the beneficiaries of a lot of that without even noticing always which things are poetry. It's not all equally good poetry, but there's, you know, there, there's all kinds of poetry. Sure, sure. So why is this, why is poetry an important part of our lives? Why, why reclaim it, especially as Christians? Why is this an important part of, of our literary lives? Right. And it, I think it's very true to say Christians are people of words. God is, he uses words, he created words, he created language and gave it to us to enjoy, to understand, to use it to communicate. So words and communication are very much part of the Christian faith, how we receive it, how we teach it, how we share it. But God is not some sort of utilitarian being who just gives us a clear set of instructions. Here's the instruction manual, and that's all we need. You know, if we read the Bible, there's beautiful literature, there's poetry in the Bible. There are passages that are, you know, literary. There, you know, there's, there are all sorts of beautiful things there. So we see that that is part of our creator's nature, and we see that it is a gift to us. You know, we naturally enjoy language. We naturally enjoy the riches and the beauty of creating songs and poems and stories and just beautiful phrases that catch the ear. So it is really wonderful as Christians, as humans, to be enjoying this good gift of language. And I think that it is very helpful to realize, too, that we all speak, you know, we all have language, but 
the more we immerse ourselves in beautiful language, the more words we have as part of our vocabulary, the more we really grow in our ability to understand language and literature. That can be very helpful in understanding the Bible and communicating with each other. There was some sort of study some years ago about the number of words that children hear in infancy and early childhood is a huge predictor for their later social and academic success. That parents who read to their children, talk to their children, are having a huge effect on their children's brains and their children's future lives. Yeah, that I, I remember that, that it's, it's so important to be reading to kids. And, and it's, poetry is, is an important part of teaching children language and to appreciate language. What if we think it's too hard for them, especially with all of the, the kids' books that we have these days? And you've mentioned good and bad poetry, and we'll get to that, and, and we'll circle back to that in a second. But what if we think it's too hard for kids to appreciate this type of language and literature? Right. And sometimes culturally, we really imagine that children are much less capable and much less human and much less intelligent than they really are. I mean, children really are capable of enjoying a lot of good things if we believe that they are. You know, the parent who just assumes from the beginning that children only eat chicken nuggets and pizza, of course, you know, here's some broccoli, child. I'm going to try to force this down you, but of course you won't like it, you know. Of course, your child is very unlikely to develop an intense love for broccoli and kale. You know, you are, you're starting off that way. Yeah. Whereas if you really believe that these things are good and you want to share this enjoyable thing with your child from the beginning, or, or you begin to bring it in later if you didn't from the beginning, children, especially young children, really do follow our expectations and I think sometimes we don't realize that we can share little tiny morsels of things with our children and they can really enjoy them. You know, little babies take a little spoonful of sweet potato and, you know, great, they had some sweet potato. You know? yeah. And as we're beginning to learn poetry and enjoy poetry, you know, we can just hear a nursery rhyme and, oh, what a great rhythm, say it a time or two, and we're done. And our child has this sort of a little meal. They've had a, they, they've tasted something. And their appetite, you know, has been, is, is beginning to be sort of trained. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't start off giving, giving a huge meal. You do it in, in little bits. And nursery rhymes are, are wonderful for that. And we'll, we'll get to some resources and ideas a little bit later. But I want to circle back to this idea of, of what actually makes good poetry. And maybe this, I don't know if this is somewhat subjective for, for people, what they like. But for you, what, what makes a good poem? Right. And I wouldn't, I am certainly not an expert in this. So I, I certainly won't, well, you know, don't, don't think I can set down for everybody. Here are the five rules, you know, to qualify poetry. But I, I do think that the more we read poems that have stood the test of time, poems that have lasted over time, the more we begin to see what are the qualities that are sort of lasting and eternal. Well, yeah, we could probably say eternal. The poems that really appeal to humans across vast swathes of time, and we train our ear as well in rhythm and in meter. And I think we'll begin to have a better sense as we read newer poetry then of which which of these really are beautiful. You know, the more 
we've been exposed to good and beautiful and true things in any sphere, the more our our palate or our sense is developed and we can enjoy more and more and more and we, we are better able to evaluate it. I think if you've grown up with nursery rhymes and poetry, you pick up a children's book and you can tell which one's scan. Like you don't actually need to be trained necessarily in all the metrical rhythms and rules about syllables and this and that. But you can begin to read it out loud and be like, oh, that was clunky. That was hard to read out loud. You know, like that word just didn't fit there. The the syllables were wrong. And, and it, because your sense of what, how language should flow to really be enjoyable is developed. You can pick up another one and it's such a joy to read and it has this great rhythm and you and your child are really loving it. You know, you're learning from the language as you go. Yeah, that, that's great. We're talking with Anna Musman, Lutheran homeschool mom and writer and author of Why and How to Teach Your Children Classic Poems in the May issue of The Lutheran Witness, also available online. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm talking with Anna Musman, Lutheran homeschool mom and writer and author of Why and How to Teach Your Children Classic Poems in the May issue of the Lutheran Witness and also available online. We'll share the link to this in the show notes so you can find all of the resources that Anna has listed. And we're going to talk through those in just a minute. But I want to revisit poetry, your love of poetry. When did you and maybe how did you first really enjoy poetry? Has this been a a lifelong love for you? Well, I'm sure as a small child, there were nursery rhymes and picture books and that sort of rhythm and hymns, you know, certainly growing up in a Christian household, I was hearing all of that. I remember as a kid, somewhere around 10 or 12, having books of poetry that I would read. And at that age, the poems that I really liked were story poems, which often really are ballads, you know, old ballads that came from the oral tradition and were written down or poems based on that tradition, a little more structured and formal. And there are so many stirring, you know, stories. And of course, as a 12-year-old, you know, yes, this hero dies on the ramparts, you know, or we will fight the redcoats and all, you know, or the, you know, the lady romantic flowing, you know, tresses and gowns or whatever it might be, you know, the, or, you know, the, the realization of somebody of their moral choice and dilemma, you know, these poems were very exciting at that age. And I think I did respond to the fact that because of their form, a great deal can be packed into just a few pages. You can have this this huge arc, and there's, there's emotion and feeling, but also the idea is really well communicated in just a few pages. And you really go through that experience as you read it, you're learning 
about life as you read it. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a really powerful thing about poetry. You've mentioned that you got you have to be able to craft words into the rhythms and and the certain you know the the rhyming patterns and all of these things that go into poetry. You have to be a lot more careful about the words that you use and what they mean, and maybe bringing in words that might might we might not have in a, a a lot of our daily language, but that mean a very certain thing, and that that makes poetry very beautiful and a very good teaching tool for kids. How can we teach our children poetry? What are some ways that you've been able to teach your own kids poetry? Right. And if we assume that we've already sort of laid down the foundation in a family of we like words, you know, we sing songs, we have rhymes, we, you know, say a rhyme as we go up the stairs to help us get up the stairs, you know, or our hand washing rhyme, you know, one of my I, toddlers likes to do rub a dub dub three men in a tub, you know, as you rub your hands. Mm-hmm. And so if we assume we have that, I think there are two great ways to share poetry with your kids. And one is to just read it for enjoyment. Say, oh, I'm gonna, let's, let's read this poem, give them a tiny bit of prep. There are some words you think they may not know, you know, or a little bit of context for the poem. And maybe, maybe, oh, like, let's really pay attention that this poem is about the ocean. Let's kind of listen to how does the poet kind of give us a sense of maybe water or whatever might be involved. You read it to them with a with enjoyment yourself, you know, you, and if you've never read the poem before and you're not sure you'll read it well, you know, read it to yourself ahead of time, you know, read it to them in an enjoyable way and, oh, what, how interesting. And, you know, it's kind of, you can kind of see, did, did they kind of understand it? You can discuss it briefly if you want to. Oh, let's just hear it one more time now that we know what it is so we can really hear it and read it again. And, oh, you know, what a great poem. And on you go, you know, don't make it very long because you don't want to get to the point where they're like, can I leave now? (laughs) You don't want them to think, I don't like this. This is my mom lecturing me and pinning me down here on the couch. (laughs) But make it short, make it enjoyable, share it with them and then come back later and maybe, maybe pick one poet and, you know, for several months or something, you know, every, every now and then read one poem by that poet because it does give them the ability to sort of build their skill to understand that poet a lot of people do Robert Louis Stevenson with young children. I, I like Emily Dickinson, and I've been reading Emily Dickinson to my almost eight-year-old and my nine-year-old, and they've, they've come to really like it. They decided on their own. They wanted to memorize one of the poems because oh, wow. it, it just struck them so, as, as so perfect. And after, yeah, but this was after we'd read a number of them, and, and they got better at, and better at understanding these poems. I think the other thing is to just pick a poem and sort of study it with your children, memorize it. You could pick something very short and work on it line by line. Okay, well, here's the first line. We're going to say it three times, you know, great. You know, maybe have, you could have a beat that they beat, you know, as they practice it. You know, you could have hand signs, you could act it out or whatever it might be with your kids so that you have this little snippet of something that may be difficult, but you know it by heart. So they can really learn it, really process it, really internalize it. And kids like achievement. Humans like achievement. I climbed that mountain. You know, I ran that race. You know, I know this poem. It's, it's just something that is very exciting to us as humans. It helps us grow. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of your favorite poems or, or authors or 
poetry books for like babies? If if we're talking about families who have very little ones at home, what are some good resources for them? Yes. And in the the Lutheran Witness article, I do have a list of books if people want to look up the the titles and the authors for easier easier reference. It is a little hard to find really good board books to share poems with children. There are some good nursery rhyme books that we enjoy. I think the first real mother goose mm. is is one that I mention. There's a and and the the ones that I have on my list are they're fairly short board books. The same illustrator has a much longer volume if you want to look look that one up. Gloria Press, which many mm. listeners may be familiar with, they take Lutheran hymns and illustrate them so that children can see the story. Their picture books are really, really wonderful. I love some of their picture books. God's Own Child, I gladly say it. That I think that's our top favorite at home. But they also have some board books if you want those for for small children. The Owl and the Pussycat is a fun poem. And that one, Jan Brett, with her lush illustrative style, has illustrated. So that one's really fun because you get that combination of really wonderful images and so much to look at on the page to go along with with the fun poem. What about for a slightly older kids, a preschool, elementary age? Yeah, that one, if you wanted to find those in your library, you could just put in Robert Louis Stevenson in the author search box mm-hmm. because there are so many illustrated copies of his poems. I think that he he's the easiest poet, I think, to find mm-hmm. for children in picture books. But you can also take the names of various poets, Emily Dickinson or all kinds of other poets, and put them into that box and just sort of see what, what your what your library has. My kids have really enjoyed some of the sort of more ballad type poems in picture book format. You know, a fox went out on a chilly night or over in the meadow, or there are, there are a number of versions of Paul Revere's Ride mm. by different, different illustrators. The article has my, our favorite one. What about for older kids, older elementary grade school age kids? Yeah, and as they get older, I think their interest directions and and levels Mm. would have an effect. At that age, I think I'd be quite likely to get them a book where you get poetry by a single poet. You know, here's a volume of poetry by this poet if you have a good idea that they're going to, to like it and let them read through a variety of poems. Another good resource for that age is The Harp and the Laurel Wreath. That author has created a whole system, which you could use or not use. Her preface on reading poetry with your kids is fun. She's very memorization focused, but you you could decide whether or not you do that. But she has a lot of poetry collected and organized by age level. So you start off with a poem she suggests for six-year-olds. And as you proceed through the book, you get into longer and longer poems. And she has a lot in there that I think would be very appealing to a middle grade boy, say, you know, find that section. And if your child is not used to poetry at all, you can always go a little earlier in the book. But you know, you'll find a lot of variety of poems. And a lot of them are the type of poems that kids used to memorize in school, you know, in the old days, you know, Mm -hmm. the sort of poems you might find in an old McGuffey's reader, Mm. which would also be a 
a resource for poems that people used to consider perfect for a certain age and kind of see what what poems did kids used to read at this age. Yeah, absolutely. These are are great resources, great ideas for gifts as well for family. If you've got a lot of little kid birthdays coming up this summer. What about for adults who might want to get into poetry or for parents who might want some further resources for learning how to more uh, better appreciate poetry on their own? Right. Yeah. And there's both you can read about poetry. There is a book that I mentioned, I think it's by Mary Oliver North, I think is the name, that explains metrical poetry. It explains syllables and beats and and so on. And just reading through that, I think it's very helpful in being able to kind of see how the poem is put together. Another book that my husband and I have actually just found and really enjoyed is How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare. Hmm. And that one is just fun to read, too, because the author just loves Shakespeare so much. You know, why should you read Shakespeare? Because he's, you know, alongside the King James Bible, you know, the greatest thing ever, obviously. you know. <laughs> and that author started with his children at a very young age, teaching them Shakespeare. And of course, it's not all poetry, but it is beautiful language. And the sort of language that people might think is far over children's heads, but he didn't think so. So he kind of shows you a model of bringing that into your home. And I think adults should should also just, just read poetry, find poems you enjoy, and maybe some ones that are a little, you're not sure you like them, but you'll read a few here and there and see, see where that goes. A lot of people enjoy T.S. Eliot's poems. G.K. Chesterton is a great person to go to. His The Hunting of the Dragon is such, such fun. And that's an individual poem where he has a whole epic about King Alfred, you know, the white horse king. That's such a fun one to read. Or you can find you can find all kinds of treasuries and start to read through them and find poets whose work you really enjoy and you want to read more of. Or you can read the hymnal, you know, pick up the hymnal and instead of singing it, read some of those hymns as poems and you'll probably notice things you didn't notice before. Yes, that is something I love to do, just reading a hymnal. It's very fun, hashtag hymn nerd experience, personally. So, (laughs) Anna, this has been great. A lot of great resources. We will share all of this in the show notes so people don't have to be frantically writing notes for all of this. It's all available online. So you can find these and links to all of these books, which is wonderful as well. Anna Mustman, Lutheran homeschool mom and writer and author of How, Why and How to Teach Your Children Classic Poems in the May issue of The Lutheran Witness and also available online. Thanks so much for joining me today, Anna. Thanks for having me. It was very fun to give all my opinions about poetry. <laughs> You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.